This week on the show, I talk to Mark Lee, a qualified chartered accountant. He's the treasurer of the Magic Circle. We talk about magic and how he's pivoted his career to helping professionals stand out. Welcome to episode 138 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, and welcome to the show. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I really appreciate it, whether you're listening to this on the train, on a plane, in a boat, or in a car. As always, I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy from Edinburgh. I help you keep your marketing simple and the BS at bay. I can help you one-to-one over Skype or, if necessary, run a workshop at your place. Just visit rogeredwards.co.uk to find out more about how we could work together, what it costs and what my past clients have to say. If you want to keep things simple and go for growth, please do get in touch. So let's talk to Mark Lee about standing out. We chat about effective communications depend upon whether people understand your messages, creating goals by asking who's my market, what's my message and what's the media to convey my message, how you can't stand out if you follow the same rules as everyone else, the power of asking questions to really understand what your clients want and how a wooden duck has become a magic party trick loved by generations of children, including me. Originally a children's party magician and a chartered accountant, Mark has developed a career helping professionals stand out. Using his seven-stage framework, he focuses mainly on accountants and helps them be remembered, referred and recommended. As treasurer of the Magic Circle, Mark draws on his skills as a magician and builds magic tricks and techniques into his speeches and blogs. So let's get right into that interview with Mark here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Mark Lee, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you very much, Roger. Great to be here. Mark, where are we Skyping each other from today? Of course, I'm in Edinburgh, as always. And I'm in my new home in Pinner, northwest London. Fantastic. Mark, today we're going to be talking about standing out. Now, your background is helping accountants to stand out in their profession, in their marketing, and you're also a a fairly prolific speaker um, talking to that same audience. But before we get into that, maybe give the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit more about your background, about where you came from, about where you're going and what your ambitions are, and basically what makes Mark Lee tick. Yeah, I'd be delighted, but we don't have the whole podcast, so I'll, I'll keep it, <laughs> You'll keep it I'll short. Keep it brief. My, my career followed the traditional path of children's party entertainer, accountant, magician, tax advisor, speaker, and mentor. Mm-hmm. Just not necessarily in that order, and some of those elements did overlap. I found myself now speaking uh, to principally uh, and mentoring accountants mm-hmm. and, and also speaking to other professionals as well about how to stand out so they can be better remembered, referred and, and recommended. Yeah. How did I get to be doing that? Well, if I look back over my career, I did, did entertain at children's parties from the age of about 14 and then realized I wasn't going to make a living in that way. 
and decided I'd qualify as an accountant as a way of deferring a decision about what I would do. What, so were, you do- what were you doing at children's parties to entertain them? You weren't a magician, were you? I was, I was a magician, oh, and right. I'm still a magician. In fact, I'm treasurer of the magic circle, the magic circle. Okay, uh, I'm going to introduce a little bit of reminiscence here, because one of my most vivid childhood memories is of a magician who came to all the children's birthday parties in our locale. I was brought up in Blackpool in Lancashire. and It won't have been me then. It wasn't you, and, and this is quite a long time ago. And he was he was known as Uncle Charles, and he always turned up to children's parties in black tie, so he looked like he was oh, wow. on his way to a thing. And the, thi- the, 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 the trick that I always remembered was that he had this, like, um, wooden duck on a plinth, and he used to choose a card, and he would put the put the um, pack of cards back into the on, on the plinth, and this duck would then dip its beak down and obviously pick out the card that uh, you'd chosen. And of course, it, his trick it, it, it was. It won't that, surprise you to know that that trick is known as Dippy Duck. Dippy Duck. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> you see, I knew I knew you were going to tell me what it was as soon as you said you were a, a magician. Fantastic! And of course, the trick was that. Every time he tried to he, he tried to put the pack of cards down for the first few minutes, he'd get the duck biting his hand. Oh, I can't even put the. <laughs> so it was, and that is that is a that is incredible. That is a vivid memory from my childhood, and now I know it's called Dippy Duck. Wow! And you know something? Last week I got a phone call. I I, I regularly get approached by people who want to understand more about the accountancy world, and I had a phone call last week from someone. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Mark. He said, but you entertained at all my children's birthday parties 25 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And he kept track of me or my name had popped up and he couldn't checked and realized that I was the same Mark's magic. One of the things... I stopped doing kids shows. I probably stopped doing kids shows 20 years ago. Yeah, one of the things I love about podcasting is its ability to go off at tangents, but I don't think I've ever gone off on a dippy duck tangent before. So this this is a first. So you were saying after your children's parties where did you go from there so i i decided that if i qualified as an accountant that would allow me to defer a career decision yeah. because it would give me a good business-based qualification when i qualified i was no closer to knowing what i really wanted to do so i continued i decided to focus on tax because in those days i thought that uh, at least tax saving advice is what something is what people are prepared to pay for mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the uh, stuff I'd been doing as an accountant was sort of an obligatory or statutory obligation. Mm -hmm. And when I look back over my career, I I was rather successful. I was promoted frequently. I was headhunted a couple of times. But when I look back, I realize that this was largely because I I stood out from many of my colleagues and Mm -hmm. peers. Mm. And probably the primary reason I stood out, and I share this because I think it's of value generally, was my communication skills and my ability to explain complex concepts in ways that clients and colleagues could understand. Mm. And you know something? When I think about it, one of the reasons I was able to do that is because perhaps I wasn't quite as bright as everybody else. <laughs> and I had to work harder to understand things. And if, if I could explain it simply, then it meant I must understand it first. 
And of course, so many professional industries, whether it's accountancy or financial advice, do seem to be particularly riddled with complex language and jargon, don't they? And this partly comes from being children's party entertainer and having to present to children. And indeed, I was frequently presenting, uh, had there be adults in the room as well. And indeed, and I also progressed and entertained with uh, adults with magic as, as well. And there's a, another story for another day off the podcast about how I became an entertainer at Hen Nights. Mm using magic i i, hate I was going to say as opposed to <laughs> taking off clothes <laughs> yeah you clearly not met me in person uh, moving swiftly on indeed um but I, I i did build a positive reputation and public profile um because of i i suspect principally because of my communication skills mm-hmm. and i started running training courses uh, and updates for accountants and also spoke at events for lawyers bankers financial advisors uh, often invited to do so through my personal connections and the profile I was building up in articles I, I was writing as well. I, I'd always been interested in the personal development and business side of things. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I came across, you ever come across mind mapping? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I came across mind mapping my Bazan, early teens. Something Bazan. What's his name? Tony Bazan. Tony Bazan. That's right. And I've still got you know one or two of the books that uh, I, I bought all those years ago. Even having downsized housewives, I've kept those books because mm. they were such a crucial part of my uh, growing up and development. When I became a, a, first became a partner in an accountancy firm, I noticed, I suppose I'd always been aware of the heavy emphasis on the technical skills training in the profession and the limited focus on personal business skills. I'd had some training when I worked for one of what was then the big eight firms of accountants. Mm-hmm. Now there's only four uh, giant firms. And I, I'd had some personal skills training there, and indeed at uh, the smaller firms that I had joined. But in the main, the focus was always on the technical side of things, as it, as it still is, frankly. And I I started developing training courses to help my staff and colleagues be better able to be remembered, referred, and recommended, I, I realize now, uh, to provide a higher quality and level of service to clients on the basis that actually if clients like you and recognize that you care about them, they're mm. more inclined to forgive you if you make a technical mistake. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's better to be, in many respects, it's better to be different in a positive way than better mm-hmm. than others because the people that you meet uh, as a professional uh, will will talk about you and remember you if they like you mm. and if they can see that what you're doing makes sense, even if they don't necessarily understand what you're doing. And if you tell people we're the best in the area, they, they've got no way of comparing you. Mm. But if, if you clearly stand out as different, perhaps because you have a particular technique or a particular system – that others don't talk about, and it's easy for people to understand, you be, you start to stand out and to improve your prospect of, of generating more business, which is what most of us want one way or another. What was it about the style of presentation that you have and your ability to teach, I guess, that made you so su- successful at doing this? I could hazard a guess because if you're into mind mapping, that's a that's a people who can mind map are usually very creative and, and are naturally teachers as opposed to very numerate 
people like accountants and actuaries. <laughs> well, so you were I, al- you were almost bucking the trend there straight away. I think. Well, I, I think I, I think I, I probably was bucking the trend, just actually showing an interest mm. in it more than anything. I I only wish that I had realized that there would be benefit in introducing magic into my presentations back <laughs> then uh, in the way that I do now. Mm. Uh, because earlier in my career, I was always concerned that if I placed too much emphasis on the magic, it might detract from my professional credibility. Right. Uh, I look back now, and that was a huge mistake. I should have been much more willing to embrace who I am and my special interest, which happens to be magic, because what I've realized over the years is that it helps me to stand out positively, mm. and I shouldn't shouldn't have hidden it. I, and I think perhaps I did because it, it had originally come from entertaining at children's parties and that uh, I didn't want anybody thinking of me as a children's party entertainer when I was an adult. I'm now so much older and so, so far away from all that that uh, I'm less concerned about it. And there is now magic, uh, and allusions to magic in my talks mm-hmm. and a lot of what I do. Going back to your specific question, Roger, I think what I what I was learning very quickly was the need to make information accessible mm-hmm. and to think about the audience when you're communicating. Yeah, I always take personal responsibility. If somebody hasn't got my message, it's my fault. I didn't adapt what I was saying or consider their needs or how they might receive it. If somebody misunderstands me, it's my fault. The effective communication depends on how it's received, and that depends on how it's, I'll say, transmitted, but communicated. Yes. And it's also one of the ways in which I like to stand out from some of the other uh, speakers who address accountancy audiences, it's very rare for me to say, you in the audience must do this, or yes. you must do that if you want to be successful, or if you want to stand out, or every accountant should be doing this, or <laughs> every financial advisor should be doing that. I don't do that because I don't believe that everybody has to do the same things in the same ways. Mm. And and I think, I, I like to think, and my audiences tell me, I have more credibility because I'm more willing to allow them to embrace alternatives that appeal to them. And it's just not true that every accountant or every financial advisor needs to be blogging or tweeting or using social media, for example, or standing up and speaking or writing a book or having loads of magazine articles published or generating loads of content for online marketing. There are other ways in which you can achieve your objectives. The starting point must always be, what are your objectives? I, I talk about the, the three M's. Uh, you know, always start with who is your market? Who are you looking to influence or to target, to communicate with? Secondly, second M is what's your message? What is it you want them to take away to understand and to remember you for? Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, you can look at the media that you're going to use to convey that message to your market, mm-hmm. the three M's. That's a really interesting model. It's not dissimilar to one that I've been using with my own clients as well. It's really just defining who your customer is 
and yeah. working out what problem it is that they face and then coming up with a solution to their problem and then communicating that problem via a medium that appeals to them. I think it's very important, actually, that we just dwell upon this whole subject just for a moment. And that thing you said about standing up and not saying you must do this and you must do that. I think there's a lot of, and, and again, it, it comes from the digital landscape that we that we live in at the moment. And, and we've got quite a lot of, um, you know, here is a method of writing loads and loads of business if you follow this template to the nth degree write emails that will guarantee you six figure conversions but you must follow this template and i do see that around at the moment that there's a lot of people out there peddling you know tick box exercise strategies and tactics and if you get everybody to do the same thing then everybody's going to be the same level nobody's going to stand out so your no. your option has got to be better to say okay there's a framework but you've got to find your standout persona or standout offer within that framework because if you're the same as everybody else then how can you stand out well it, exactly and and you know, i get frustrated and bored by these you know, you know, get rich quick schemes and uh, these wannabes and copyists who just replicate stuff elsewhere and try to, in effect, they're only persuading the naive and the needy. Mm. And we've we've talked before, Roger, I know that neither of us are in the market of trying to secure business from the naive and the needy mm. in, in, a ne- in a negative way. We, we want to help, we want to serve, we want to benefit our audience uh, but only with what we gen- truly believe will work for them, which means we share, uh, I should only be speaking for myself, but you know, sharing advice and insights, like tips and tricks, uh, magic illusion there, uh, uh, specific, specifically that we believe will, will help them, and letting them choose what they, what they want to do, what will work for them. You, mm. you mentioned a framework just now. So it it was some years before I realized the benefits of having my own framework mm-hmm. that I talk about mm-hmm. in terms of how to stand out. And it's a, a seven point uh, framework. And I, I recognized and I, I got this actually from joining the Professional Speaking Association. Okay. Um, you know, many years ago, 20 odd years ago, I joined Toastmasters International. Nothing to do with red jacketed Toastmasters at events. Mm hmm. But it's a, an international speaking association, and there are branches all over the, the UK and, and the world, people who want to develop the skills and confidence to stand up and speak in public. Mm-hmm. Toastmasters is brilliant for that. A lot mm-hmm. of opportunity to, to practice and develop your skills. Sort of a self-help group almost, low cost, very structured, absolutely fine, terrific. Uh I later became aware of, only a few years ago, something called the Professional Speaking Association in the UK. Uh, It's part of the Global Speaking Federation. There's equivalent organizations around the world. And the the PSA in the UK has a very different focus. It's learn how to speak more and speak better. Right. So it it, it doesn't mean that you have to uh, aspire to be uh, a keynote speaker on stage fronting big events Mm -hmm. indeed one of the things you quickly learn when you join the psa is the vast majority of the members are not full-time keynote speakers indeed there are are very few who earn their living just from getting up on stage 
So most of the members, I think it's about 600 members in the UK, most are trainers, consultants, coaches, alongside their speaking. And some of them only ever speak at training courses rather mm. than keynotes. And that's mm. absolutely fine. Mm. You can be professional in all sorts of ways. But particularly if you want to be an, uh, a successful keynoter and on stage, it helps to have some sort of a framework or an ology uh, a technique or a system to which you can refer when you're speaking yeah. or consulting and, and training. Uh, so I, I checked out dozens of business and personal branding, influencing and reputation building books and reflected on how my own career progressed. And that led to me referencing my own seven point framework for professionals who want to stand out. And it's very simple. It's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And the point I always make is you can start anywhere. You don't have to be a big brand, nor do you have to build a big brand. You don't have to be outgoing and extrovert. Everyone's different and can focus on uh, those elements and approaches that most suit them. Mm-hmm. The more of the seven you adopt, the more likely you are to be better remembered, referred and recommended. But even just choosing one or two of them, uh, I have heard many times from those who've followed the framework, can make a huge difference. So building a building a personal brand can help. Looking at how confident you are can help. Being part of an organization that has a big business brand can help. But even then, you'll, if, even if you're not competing with other organizations because of the, the branding gets you through the door, ultimately, as professional advisors in whatever avenue we operate, we're still wanting people to buy into us mm. and our personal service, our approach. And it's in that context that we need to be able to stand out from our competitors, from our peers, and from the pack. So going back now, you're in front of an audience and you've talked to them about the the three M's. When we've established what those three M's are and they've got that in their head, how do you then draw out of them the elements that will make them stand out? I ask questions. That's not something you can do in a keynote talk, of course, but when I'm training or, or consulting, a lot of questions, a lot of listening, and in effect, practicing what I preach. Mm. Because one of the seven elements of the framework, C, C stands for conversations, having more powerful conversations. And I always ask my audiences how many people think that they are more introverted than extroverted. How many think they're more extroverted than introverted? Mm -hmm. And particularly with accountants, it won't surprise you to know that most of them think that they're introverted rather than extroverted. And they don't like networking, Mm -hmm. so they say. But they get somewhat relieved when they learn the advantages of being an introvert when you're networking because introverts are more likely to listen Mm -hmm. than to speak. Mm. And good networking is about having more powerful conversations, which means you need to listen so that you can reflect back what you've heard. If I give you an example here, just very briefly, I talk about the four suits approach to having more powerful conversation. Four suits from a pack of cards. So we start with spades, conversations. You want to start digging around with your metaphorical spade in order to find out information and from the person you're with not in an inquisitorial style obviously mm. but you know, remember you start by asking questions good questions open questions that get the person that you're with to reveal a bit about themselves that then leads on to hearts 
And with hearts, you're looking to form an emotional connection or bond to build rapport with them so that you can reflect back on what they've said and help them to recognize that you are a bit like them in some way. You've got something in common. You're building rapport. Mm -hmm. Spades, hearts. The next suit is clubs. Because it, at this point, you found out something about them. You're hoping they're going to ask something about you and what you do and who you do it for. And when you get onto clubs, you want to be talking not so much about what you do, but telling stories about clients of yours who are in the same club as they are, the mm -hmm. person you're with, or about their clients, if it's another advisor or a, somebody who might be referring work to you. Because if you can tell stories, and stories are really powerful, as I'm sure you know, you can tell stories, they they're more memorable, and they better evidence the value of what you do than simply saying, I'm an accountant, or I'm a financial advisor, or I'm a banker, or whatever. Spades, hearts, clubs, the fourth suit is diamonds, diamonds we know are really valuable, and indeed, the fourth uh, part of this little framework is the most valuable part of the conversation and that is following up effectively mm -hmm. afterwards the more effectively you follow up after a conversation the more likely you are to stand out from other people whom that person has met and perhaps other people in the same line of business as you because very few people follow up effectively after they've had uh, conversations at networking events or business meetings. I think it's one of the biggest failings of, of any sort of networking, isn't it? Is that people just don't follow up, whether it's you just swap business cards and never pick up the phone or you, you say you'll email and you forget or you never do. It's just, uh, that's the whole point of networking is the follow up to, in, to important contacts. And so many of us, and I include myself within this, we just fail at it quite a lot. Oh yeah. I, 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 I'm certainly not per uh, Definitely not perfect. Mm. So you cut your teeth doing this training, this teaching, this mentoring and coaching in yeah. a corporate environment whilst you were an accountant. But there came a day when you decided that you were going to effectively take this out to the world on your own. What was the thing that uh, made you make that move, Mark? Well, in 2006, I was made redundant for the second time. Right. Uh, and I decided, you know, I'd thought about it previously. About, at one stage, I thought about going full time into training and realized that I wasn't going to make, it wasn't going to work for me. Mm. Uh, I think it was 2001. Uh, so in 2006, I decided to take the plunge and focus on doing those things I'd most enjoyed in my career, mm -hmm. speaking, writing and mentoring. Mm. And my friends and colleagues and ex-colleagues said, Mark, you're so well known. You're so highly regarded. You'll, you'll have them banging on your door. <laughs> And like a fool, I believed them. <laughs> and it took some time to establish myself. I didn't have a clear business plan. Um, I felt that everything ought to just happen. Mistake I've seen, I, yeah, I made it, and I've seen many other people who uh, either decide to go self-employed or start their own practice as an accountant, frankly, mm -hmm. um, just assuming that somehow the work's going to come to them they're not going to have to work at it. And um, so it took a while. It took time to clarify my, my proposition. Uh, and that reinforced the need to adapt what you say to whoever's listening. Um, so, you know, your podcast audience you know, might include some accountants, but I expect the majority aren't. So if, if you were to ask me now, what do I focus on? What do I do? I would adapt my answer to thinking about who's likely to be listening. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, on the one hand, I'm a speaker sharing uh, 
sharing insights into the accountancy profession so as to save financial advisors and bankers a lot of time and money. Mm. A lot of people go about it the wrong way, and maybe that's a, a topic for another podcast. But in the main, uh, I speak at events for accountants to help them stand out from their competitors, from their peers, and from the pack. And I work almost exclusively with sole practitioner accountants who want more out of their practice, more out of their business. They want more time, more clients, more money, maybe just more satisfaction. Uh, and I have you know, three different options for from which they can choose, depending upon whether they just want something online, face to face over the uh, over the web webinars, or face to face in London, or one to one mentoring. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that was that was four things. I, I normally <laughs> cut it down to three. <laughs> so, as I said, I'm not perfect. Mark, it'd be really good if you could give me an example of one of your clients or or, or a firm that you've worked with, and. What happened when you went in there? They were obviously um, not standing out, and you went in there, you waved your magic wand, metaphorically, (laughs) and uh, they came out the other end standing out, I presume. So maybe give us an example of how that's worked in practice. Well, an interesting example there is a a six-part firm of accountants. I got approached by the practice manager, and he wanted me to go and talk to them about how they could be standing out more effectively using social media. Mm. And uh, he asked me what the fee would be, and I, I wrote back and quoted my fee and gave him a bit of brief, which I knew we would take to the managing partner, who came back and said, oh, could, he, could you actually come for the whole morning? So we'll pay you a bit more than that. Lovely. So it's very nicely paid morning. And I went and spoke to the entire senior management team, I think six partners and dozen, 15 staff, and I think about 20 in, in the room. I spent the entire morning with them. It took a lot of questions, went through variations of what I normally do, and I'd looked at their website and their Twitter feed and their Facebook page and LinkedIn profiles of some of the people there and talked through what I thought they should be doing and how they could be standing out more effectively. And they invited me to stay for lunch afterwards, and the, I sat with the managing partner. It's always good to ask for feedback. So I said, uh, how did that work for you? Is that uh, Did I get that about right? Because I hadn't spoken to him beforehand. Normally, I, I do like to speak to the client, and I'd only spoken to the practice manager, and I knew the managing partner was the key person, mm-hmm. key decision maker. So, Mark, he said, that was fantastic. And he said, no, it was, it was exactly what we wanted and needed. I thought, that's very kind. Uh, in what, what particular ways? And he, he gave me three, three examples, which I think really answers your question. He said, well, first of all, you've saved us a fortune because we're no longer going to sack, sack our marketing manager. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, she joined us about six months ago. And she's been trying to get us to do all sorts of things that we didn't want to do mm. that she said would help us to stand out. Mm. We didn't want to do them, but we've now heard from you why we should be doing them. So we're going to do them. We, we wanted her to do all sorts of stuff with social media for us, which we now understand from you would not be effective and would be a waste of time. And if you hadn't come and spoken to us, we would have got frustrated with her, sacked her, brought somebody else in to do what we wanted and listening to the way you put everything across, it's quite clear that would have been a waste of time and money. Mm. So you've saved us a fortune there. That's just one way. So the second thing, you said you weren't here to talk about recruitment, uh, but you mentioned a couple of times about ways in which we could be using social media more effectively to help us recruit and stuff we could do on our website. And absolutely what you're saying made so much sense. Uh, I can see that uh, our recruitment efforts are going to be enhanced as a, as a result of your talk. You said, and thirdly, he said, all that business about standing out using your LinkedIn profiles. He said, okay, there's a couple of partners. It must have been an eight-partner firm, I realized. So there's a couple of partners. He said, they're getting on a bit. They're never going to do anything with LinkedIn. We accept that. 
He said, but the rest definitely motivated and understand the value of sorting out the LinkedIn profiles. He said, to the point, he said, two of them are so excited they haven't stayed for lunch. They've gone back to the office to tweak their <laughs> LinkedIn profiles so they can start using it effectively, using LinkedIn effectively for lead generation. And we'll be making sure that the firm stands out positive in the ways, some of the ways that you were talking about, in order for their lead generation efforts to bear fruit. And then he then posted the most delightful recommendation for me on LinkedIn some months later, uh, implying or sort of reinforcing the value of the advice that I've given. You're helping people to stand out, but what would you say makes you stand out, Mark? What makes me stand out? Well, I, I often have to reference the, the magic. Um, uh, I'm quite prolific on social media, but in the, but I also debunk a lot of the hype and the myths around it. So perhaps I stand out through my honesty mm -hmm. that what works for me won't necessarily work for a lot of the people I talk to, a lot of the accountants I talk to, uh, including a little bit of magic in what I do, uh, helps me to stand out on stage. Yeah, I, I talked about being energetic, engaging and entertaining as a speaker. I'm just dead honest and I I won't take money for an assignment if I don't think I'm going to be able to provide value. Mm. I've got a small non-exec role and, and I give a lot of stuff away for free. I practice what I preach. So my website's got you know, a, a free guide to the seven ways you can stand out from others who do what you could do. Uh, LinkedIn profile tips, uh, regular communications on the three R's, how to be remembered, referred and recommended, hundreds of blog posts on a whole raft of topics related to this, including networking and social media and marketing and career development. And I'm quite happy to, to share stuff and knowledge because ultimately it's how effectively it's it's implemented that really matters and that's why a lot of the people that i work with remotely subsequently become clients who want to work with me one-to-one -one because they know that i'll hold their feet to the fire and make them accountable but not everybody wants that no but it's classic um a classic way of getting people to know you getting them to like you and getting them to trust you is by giving them the free stuff it's exactly yeah, what i do it's what this podcast is for so of that people course. can hear my voice they read my blog so they can get a feel for what i talk about in the same way i'm hoping that people will get to know me get to like me and get to trust me enough to help them put together their simple marketing strategies indeed and, and actually having mentioned the no like and trust uh tripleism that uh, i know some networking organizations focus on and many many listeners will have heard of it before i've actually expanded it to five steps um because i think people often forget in this new world because no like and trust dates back to long before the internet yeah and uh, so i think there are five steps and the additional two are connect and need. Now, need can go at the bottom of the step of the step ladder, if you like, or at the top, because sometimes, you know, once you've connected with somebody and then they get to know, like, and trust you, you have to wait until they need your services. Indeed. Other times, there are people who are looking for somebody like you, so they have a need. But you're not going to get the business until you are connected with them and then they get to know, like and trust you. And I think it's really important we, we forget that there's actually five steps here rather than just the three. I really like that. I really like that development of that very, very 
powerful process. And Mark, you've thrown so many ideas and so many inspirational thoughts at me this afternoon. It's difficult to ask this question, but is there one big idea that you'd like those people listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast this afternoon to take away from all the experiences you've had building your standout business? I'd say it's the F element of my framework, and Mm -hmm. it, it won't surprise you because we referenced it earlier in a different context, but it's to follow up effectively after each meeting, conversation, communication. Mm-hmm. Follow up, I, I talk about following up three times, follow up within 24 hours, follow up again within seven days and again within four weeks. So few people do that, following up effectively, giving value and evidence in the other elements of the framework too, because the more effectively you follow up, the more likely you are to get approached, to get to connect with people effectively so that they get to know, like, and trust you. And then they get approached for business, for referrals, to support other people, to help other people. And in time, that leads to business as well. And again, I think back over my career, my willingness to help other people within reason uh, has clearly helped my career to progress and my contact database to develop quite extensively. I've got 10 or 11,000 people on my contact database that I, I use for email marketing. Mm-hmm. I, I tailor what I send out. I've got something uh, like about almost 6,500 connections on LinkedIn, and I don't accept random connections. There needs mm-hmm. to be a pretty obvious reason why people connect. So I don't have any spammers in there. But if somebody uh, wants to connect with me, they send me a personal note, or if it's obvious from what they do, why they might want to connect, I'll connect with them. Twitter, more than 10 times as many people follow me on Twitter as I follow. So I haven't chased the followers. They they come to me. Yeah. And I think it's because I share stuff and I try to follow up uh, as best I can and to practice what I preach. That's really good advice, Mark. Really good advice. And as we start to draw the interview to, to an end, I always like to ask people on the podcast to think a, bit, a little bit outside of the current industry that you work in. And may, tell me maybe about a business model or a product or a campaign that's, that you've seen that's caught your attention in the last year. Now, it could be from a competitor. It could be from a shampoo company, whatever it is. Tell me what you liked about it and what it was. Well, I think the one that immediately springs to mind is actually Phil Calvert, who mm-hmm. may well be known to many of your uh, listeners. And he's putting on a TED-style event for the financial services industry. Mm-hmm. And it just got me thinking about whether there might be some benefit in creating something similar for, for my principal target audience accountants. Uh, I don't think so, um, at least not at the moment. But I really admire the way Phil has gone about uh, promoting that, building the speaker uh, base for it. And uh, I've got a lot of time for Phil and the way he does these things. Yes, I saw that myself, Mark, and I was intrigued um, to see that Phil was using that TEDx style approach into in his um, upcoming conference. And of course, Phil Calvert appeared way back 
in episode 31 of the podcast. So yes, uh, he is known to many of the listeners. Uh, I do like that TED structure and I'd be fascinated to see how well it goes down with his audience because it is a little bit different to what people are used to in Mm. financial services. I think most of us in financial services are used to death by PowerPoint for an hour at a time, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Which takes us back to another way in which I'm different. Uh, I very rarely use PowerPoint slides when I'm presenting these days. Uh, even, even when I'm speaking to audiences of financial advisors about how they can better engage with accountants and build more effective relationships with accountants, there's more graphics than there are PowerPoint bullet points, if you like. It's no wonder it's called death by PowerPoint, given how many bullets are involved. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And finally, Mark, is there a business book that you've read recently that has really stood out to you as well? The one that... Uh, most people haven't heard of that I referenced that I came across a while back is called Win the Crowd. Right. Steve Cohen, uh, who is a magician, as it happens, but it's about influencing the crowd and influencing people that you deal with. Uh, so it's one that I, I always recommend because nobody else talks about it. <laughs> Mark, it's been fascinating to talk to you this afternoon. I knew it was going to be a very interesting conversation and you've given us so much to think about with all of your little frameworks that you've developed. I remember, and we'll look further into your three M's. You also told us about your A, B, C, D, E, F, G framework. And we also heard about a framework based around a pack of cards. All very memorable, all very interesting. So I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast and want to get it are going to want to get in touch with you. So, Mark, what's the best way that people should connect with you? Well, thanks very much for that, Roger. My my website is bookmarklee.co.uk. Uh, you'll gather uh, that uh, there's an embedded command there to bookmark <laughs> Lee, but yeah, not enough people do that, uh, obviously. My my business card, it happens, also in the shape of a bookmark. I'm on Twitter as Bookmark Lee. Uh, on LinkedIn, out of the thousands of Mark Lees there, I'm Bookmark Lee. Uh, on my website, uh, there's loads of stuff for accountants, there's loads of stuff for non-accountants as well, including um, 13 big mistakes most people unwittingly make when they approach accountants for business or, or referrals. And that might be of more interest than some of the stuff that's for accountants. Fantastic. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show this afternoon. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. And no doubt we've got so much we could talk about that we'll see you back on the show in the not too distant future. Until then, hopefully we can meet up for a coffee or a beer at some time in the future. I'd love that, Roger. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions. Okay? Okay.